0: It is good to be with you today. Listen, I go away and I come back and y'all are in a series called Summer Love. Oh my word. And all I can think about, I'm just giving away myself right now today. All I can think about is, is summer loving had me a blast, right? Summer loving so fast. I met a girl crazy for me. I met, I can't say that line. Now, stop, stop, stop. Right now, turn to your neighbor and say, I cannot believe our pastor's singing Greece in church. I cannot believe, I cannot believe that. Listen, listen, though, the, even that title, Summer Love, gives this head nod to love that's here now, but a love that won't last past the summer. Isn't that interesting? I want to take you way, way back to the summer of 1990. Come on, some of you weren't even conceived back then, but... The summer of 1990. Some of y'all, I got some, I got some people in this room. Y'all know 1990, don't y'all? 1990, here it is, here it is, here it is. I just came back from my second year of college, and I came back returning to a summer job, a summer job where I was gonna be a camp counselor at Center Park Recreation Center. Now, weeks before I came back to college, I had just connected with a girl, Uh, back at school but she was going to go back to her hometown I was coming back to my hometown and we were going to meet back together in the fall but on the first day of that summer camp I got to meet the co-workers and I met this beautiful co-worker named Pam now listen on that first day I found out real quickly she also had a boyfriend Yet all summer long, I'm telling you, as we were working this day camp with all these kids, there was an attraction there. But I knew we couldn't do anything about that attraction. Why? Because we both had boyfriend-girlfriends. Why? Because we were about to go back to college here in about a month. And I heard summer love knocking at the door, knocking at the door. Well... I'll just go ahead and say this summer, this summer, Pam and I are celebrating our 25th anniversary. Come on. And this summer also marks 27 years of that summer love romance. So I'm telling you, love can last, love can last. And we're here today to testify to it. Listen, if you're here today, welcome to Mount Ararat. We're glad that you're here this morning. Welcome here at our Garrisonville campus. Welcome Pastor Andrew. Pastor Andrew, you did a great job last week and the last two weeks. Welcome to our campus over there. And welcome to all of you guys watching online. I don't know if y'all realize this, but we have about 400 people watching every Sunday online. Now, the last few weeks, by being away, I was on California time. I just had to wake up a little earlier to watch, but I've been tuned into my Mount Aaron family the last few weeks. Praise God for our amazing team that gets that online every week, and we stream live in real time every week. And I know that's a great service to lots of you, especially some of you deployed families where your family could be across the world and watch in and and y'all could talk about these things and sometimes people move away and stay connected. But I'm just going to say this out loud today. Coming back today just affirms it again to me. There is something that the internet just can't recreate. There is something about being live here, being live over at Courthouse that you can't get online. There's just something about worshiping together. There's something about learning together and just being each other to encourage one another that you just can't get online. And so I say that not to shame the 400. Praise God you're with us today. But if you are local, can I just give you a nudge to say, come worship with us from time to time. Come to the house and get to experience the church in living color. Because I tell you, there's really no substitute to that. Come on, do you agree? Listen, listen. Pastor Andrew started a series called Summer Love. And really the goal of this series is to encourage and to strengthen Married relationships as well as single people. And I hope that you'll listen into that. If you were here any of this weeks, and if you missed it, you can catch that back online. But week one was this. He said this big idea. He said, don't miss it, look again. Don't miss it, look again. And he picked on the commandment that Jesus says, a new command I give you. To love God first is really what life is all about. And when you love God first, you can begin to love the other. The second week, last week, if you were here, he pushed it a little bit harder, and he kind of talked about this idea of a humble pursuit is what leads to a thriving relationship. And I got a few emails from his sermon last week, and and the only reason we'll see how good his sermon was last week is nine months from now. (laughs) And you had to be here if you know what I'm talking about, but... But he really pushed hard in saying, how can a husband and wife serve one another in all these areas, including intimacy? And again, PG-13 last week. He might need PG-13 next week. But, but I love that there's times we can have straight conversations as a church about the word of God and how that applies in our lives, in our marriage. Well, today I want to give you another principle. Hopefully you've got to worship God there you can take some notes along with. Today we're going to lean in on a third principle. And the third principle really brings us to this place of commitment. It brings us to this, this place of a vow of a commitment or a vow of promise. And, and the best way I could coin this for you today, husbands and wives, is this. When you say I do, you're making a commitment to we over me. Do you get that? That we're making a commitment to we over me. Come on, both campuses. A commitment to we over me. me. Now that's hard. Because we live in a culture that's what? Me, 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 me. And yet marriage goes in the opposite direction of that and says, now it can't be about me anymore or this won't work. This thing has to be about we. We over me is where I want us to lean in today. Now, as we look at this, I kind of want to know who I'm talking to. So at both campuses, I need you to participate for a minute. Here we go. The first one is this. Right now in your life, raise your hand if you are currently married. Married, right now, come on, hands in the air, okay? Lot of hands in the air, right? All right, put your hand down. Right now, if you're here at both campuses, raise your hand if you are single. Raise your hand, okay? And some of y'all are confused. That's a harder message right there but you're one or the other, right? You're one or the other, no matter if you're a child, teenager, yep, yep, yep. So in that, that idea of being married or single, I'm wondering right now, as I asked you to identify with that, if that made you think or feel anything personally. Because I'm wondering if somebody's here today, and when you raised your hand, you're like, man, I got a strong life and a strong marriage. I love where we're at right now in life. And you raised your hand with that thought, and then somebody else raised their hand and thought, man, I'm struggling right now. Right now, things aren't easy right now. I'm thinking somebody raised their hand and said, we're healthy. And somebody raised their hand and said, man, I feel lonely right now. And sometimes we think only single people raise their hand on loneliness. No, 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 no. I talk to a lot of married people that feel lonely in marriage. And you know this to be true. True. Some people are feeling maybe some pain in marriage. Some people are feeling maybe some shame or maybe some guilt. Or maybe you're here today and you're divorced and you even feel that way because you used to be married and now you raise your hand and you're single. Now can I tell you lovingly today, today's not about guilt or condemnation. I want you to hear that right out of the gate. Today's not about guilt or condemnation. Today is about what God's heart is for you. And I want you to know you can trust God's heart. And God's heart for you and what God's heart is for marriage, I think, ought to be important to the church. And today, as we kind of listen in together, I want you to know that you might look at your life and all you can see is the past. You can't change the past, but I want you to know today, your future can change. If we'll trust God enough to do it His way over our own, we can get to this place of we Over me. I believe the Bible shows us how we can build God honoring marriages. I believe the Bible shows us that He wants to build generation changing marriages. Does anybody want to believe that with me today? And that's what God wants for us. Now, I'm going to read three places in Scripture. The first place I'm going to look, if you want to go there with me, is all the way to the beginning of the Bible to Genesis chapter 2. Turn with me if you have a Bible there. Genesis chapter 2 is a very specific story of God creating everything out of nothing. And the details of chapter 2 is about God creating the original couple, Adam and Eve, as a husband and as a wife. And the one verse I want to look at right here, we're going to look at one word in this verse, is the verse 24. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 and listen to what God says to us. He says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and it's to be united. That's the word we're gonna look at here for a minute. United, united to his wife that they may become one. Now, I like to just get real foundational, real basic here, because I want you to see that God's design for marriage is unity. That God's desire for marriage is is unity, united. That's what God wants for a husband and a wife in a marriage relationship. He wants us to be united. Now, let me just give you the word that's used here in the original language. It's Hebrew word. It's the word ikad, ikad. And it means to be completely joined as one. Now, interesting language, united and oneness is what God's design and desire is for marriage. Now, a couple thousand years later, Jesus talks about this one verse. If you have a Bible, we're gonna to go to the New Testament now, to Matthew chapter 19. In 19, verse 4, Jesus' very own words, here's what he says about this same verse, because he adds a little bit more to it. He says, haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male? and female and he said for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife that the two may become one one flesh so they're no longer two but one therefore what God has joined together let no one separate interesting as he takes that idea of unity, that idea of oneness, and that idea of importance of becoming one. Now, here's the tension of this message. Here's the tension of what you're listening to right now. Is It is not easy to be united, is it? It's not. Matter of fact, the first challenge with this is the fact that you're opposites. That's your opposites, a man and a woman trying to come together as a husband and wife, you're opposites. I love what Pastor Greg Craig Rochelle says. He says this, he says, he says when you're dating, opposites attract, <laughs> but he says, but when you're married, opposites attack, right? And isn't that true, isn't that true? That when we're dating, we loved all the differences. It's what we were drawn to, but now that we're married, I don't know if I like all those differences. Now all of a sudden, you actually annoy me. You get on my nerves, right? Isn't that interesting? But here's what God's trying to show us. That you are different, and that's a good thing. Because if you are the same, then we don't need one of you. But there's a difference there. And God says the differences are going to be made to strengthen you, to make you one. Yet there is an enemy. you got an enemy. i got an enemy. It's called Satan. He doesn't want unity. What does he want? He wants division. And I'm just wondering right now, wherever you are right now as a married person, is there unity in your marriage right now? Or is division a better word to describe your home as husband and wife? Again, let's lean in and see what God's heart is for us today as we move forward in this together Because God wants to strengthen us and he wants us to live this. And the question is, is how can we live this out? Hey, listen, something to write down right here would be this. To understand how to get to commitment, we've got to understand a real subtle difference between a contract and a covenant. Can we go there together? A contract and a covenant. Let me give you this thought. A contract is based upon mutual distrust. Did you not know that? The reason you and I are asked to sign contracts is because the party on the other side is not real sure that we're going to come through with our deal. And they want to have something legal and binding. If we don't come through, that there's some recourse there. A contract, the reason we sign contracts is that we're not real sure we can agree with just a word between each other. And so we need something more formal to be a contract together. Come on, you can't buy a house without signing contracts. You can't buy a car without signing a contract. You can't go get a cell phone without getting a contract. Isn't that crazy? Because of mutual distrust. Yet there's a difference between what we're talking about here, a contract and a covenant. Covenant is the opposite. Did you know that? Covenant is based upon mutual trust. Isn't that interesting? Where one's on distrust, this is on trust. And do you know when you look in the Bible when it talks about marriage, it never uses the word contract, it always uses the word covenant. Interesting interesting because see God's all about trust God's all about relationship God's all about believing right and so when we look here at just these simple words it gives us a different picture now let me tell you this word of covenant because I think this is interesting when we break it down in the original language it gives us this Hebrew idea it literally means to cut to cut Sometimes when they made covenant with each other in their communities, they would literally do a blood covenant where they would cut blood and do blood on blood as to show a binding or an alliance or a pledge between two parties. This interesting, gory word is how he talks about husbands and wives coming together in this idea of a binding agreement and coming together relationally as husband and wife. It's the word Cutting, interesting word. They oftentimes, when they would make an agreement, sometimes they would even kill an animal as to represent bloodshed between the two parties coming together to agree on something mutual. This is the picture I want you to kind of capture because to me, it's how we get to the message of understanding of what God wants for us. Now, the clever part of today is I've titled today's message, The Real Story. Do you see that on there? The Real Story. Now, why that's important, it's this, and I'm gonna contemporize it for us here. When we talk about summer love and having these attractions in the summer and, oh, let's just have this summer connection, you know, we think it's short-lived. And I started thinking about that in our modern day. We live in a day and time stamp that's so unique to history because for the first time ever, not only do we live a lot of our lives out loud, we post them so other people can live our lives with us. This phenomenon, social media is interesting because we put out there what we want people to see. But see, I've titled the message what today? I've titled it what? The Real Story. And when I look at sometimes people's social media, I realize, and you might not realize this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. You are watching somebody's highlight reel. You know that, right? You know that, right? So don't measure all your messy behind the scenes with somebody's highlight reel. But we do that a lot, don't we? We compare ourselves to every other family out there because of what they show us. And so I've titled this thing The Real Story. And so for me to be personal with this is this. is my wife, my two younger daughters, we just went on a two-week vacation. Can I just say I highly recommend two weeks because it takes me about the first week to get it out of high gear and the second week to finally crack a smile and enjoy it. Anybody with me? And all of a sudden, in these two weeks together, we planned this out, months out. We talked about where we were going. And so on July 4th, we land in San Francisco city we've never been to as a family. We were gonna spend six days there, then we rented a car to drive down the Pacific Highway all the way down to Anaheim, and eventually I was gonna get all the way down to San Diego. Two weeks, right? And on this trip, we did post some stuff, because we like sharing what we're doing and what we're about. Some places were restaurants, some places were location, and we showed some of the stuff we did. And I'll tell you this, when I look at these pictures, these were our highlight reels. We were typical tourists when we went to San Francisco. We wanted to see the Golden Gate Bridge. We wanted to visit Alcatraz. We wanted to go to the Muir Woods. We wanted to ride the trolley. We wanted to ride the trolley to Chinatown. We wanted to even go all the way down to Fisherman's Wharf. We were tourists. We even ate the the clam chowder and the sourdough bread. You know what I'm talking about? We wanted to do it all. So we could see some of these highlight reels. But you know what I didn't post on social media? I didn't post the fights. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't post the fits that some people threw. I'm not gonna name names. Lexi guess. I mean, here we go. I, I'm, not, I'm, not post, I'm not gonna post the tears, why? Because you put your best out there, don't you? But I often wonder, what's the real story behind those pictures? Come on, everybody, get together, smile, right? Oh, look at that family, they're having a blast, and little they know, as soon as that click, everybody's like, right? Right? Come on. Am I real? Isn't that what vacation's like as a family? You churchy people today. Yeah. But you know what? As I started thinking about the real story, here's the real story. My wife did a lot of research. She's a travel agent, so she picked all these things out. Day two, we rented bicycles. And here was the plan we were going to rent these bikes, we were going to go six miles across. Uh, we we're going to go a mile across the Golden Gate Bridge and then six-mile total trip, and we were going to end in this little place called Sausalito. Anybody ever been there? This place is amazing. This place is amazing. So this is our plan. We're going to go do this. So we get the bikes, we get them all rented, our kids get the helmets on, and we start our journey out. Now to give you a little bit of context, let me tell you this: My wife, my wife has not ridden a bike since she was a child, and it wasn't a great experience when she was a child. But she's a gamer, and she's like, if the family wants to do this, let's go do this. Let's go. It's going to be fun. And I'm the hard-charging dad, like, we can do this, right? And we take off on the bikes. And as soon as we take off the bikes, there's a little bit of up and down to get to the bridge. And I'm loving every minute of this. But as we get going, I look back, and I realize Pam is way back. And I'm thinking, come on, catch up, let's go, Right? And we get all the way to the bridge, and I'm like, where's she at? Where's she at? We're waiting, we're waiting. Finally, she gets there, and we're kind of looking at her. She's already a little bit stressed, and she's like, I don't do the bike thing real well. I said, you're going to be fine. We're about to go across the bridge. Now, here's the interesting other part. Not only is she having to face her fear of bikes again, now she's facing her second fear, heights. (laughs) Right? And we're about to bike across the tall bridge going across the Golden Gate Bridge, right? And all of a sudden, I'm like, let's go, we can do this. And we start charging ahead. I'm so crazy, I pull my phone out, I take a selfie while I'm riding the bike, so my daughter's right there. Now, I just wanna call your attention, where's Pam? We get all the way on the other side and we're going, where's mom? Where's Pam? Where's mom? Where's Pam? We're waiting. And we're waiting. And we're waiting. I finally said, kids, should we go back and get her? And they said, oh, no, she'll be good. <laughs> I didn't mean to rat them out, but they did say that. And all of a sudden, in the distance, I see her, but Pam is not riding the bike. Pam is pushing the bike. <laughs> now, I'll go ahead and say this. The local cyclists hate tourists. And on this day, they hated the Gaston family, taking pictures, pushing bikes. This is not the way you're supposed to go across, right? And so we get across, and now my wife is really stressed, and I'm seeing it. But I'm going, babe, it's good, it's good, it's good. Hardest part, over, right? And if you know think about it, now you're gonna come down off the bridge and it really it's a downhill slide. And people said, oh, once you get across, you just kind of coast into Sausalito, right? And so you're coasting down this hill, you're gonna go around the Coast Guard base and you gotta do a little bit of hill and then you coast down into the, the actual town. I said, babe, we're there, we're there. You got this, we got this, we can do this. And so I even this time, I go down the hill and I'm like, okay, let me watch. And so I, I saw her coming down the hill. She's coming down the hill. Show me the next picture. She's still coming down the hill. she's coming, she's coming. And I'm thinking, this is good. We finally get to Sausalito. Here's our view, guys. Oh, beautiful little city right here. Look at this. I mean, quaint shops all along there. Our goal was to park our bikes, go eat some good dinner, and then we're going to catch that ferry and go back across, and we're right back to the bike shop before closing. Perfect plan, right? At dinner, she finally says, Todd, you don't get this. I know y'all think I'm being silly, I was having an anxiety attack on that bridge. There is no way I could do it. I kept visioning going over, over that fence, in that water. And she said, I had to literally get off the bike because I was just like, I couldn't do it. And I said, it's okay, we're done. We eat chips and salsa, we have Mexican food, and we go over to the ferry, and we miss the ferry. In my mind, I knew there was one way home, and that was back the way we came. I knew this wasn't going to go well, so I I had to turn it on even to overdrive. We can do this! And I'm going, oh, man, we coasted all the way down to Sausalito. That means we got to go all the way back up to the bridge, and then we got to go across that bridge again. And sure enough, man, we had just eaten Mexican dinner, and we're trying to get up this hill, and I'm pushing the bike up the hill, and I'm going, oh, this is not good. And in my mind, I'll confess it today, I didn't think we were going to make it. We had one hour to get back. And all of a sudden, we get there to the bridge. This time I go different on us. I said, Girls, y'all are gonna lead the way. Mom's gonna go next, and I'll pick up the rear. Pam, you got this, babe, you got this. She's like, I don't got this. I don't wanna do this. And got on the bike, and we kept rolling across, and she was middle of the path, and I'm like, Get over, get over. She's like, I don't wanna move over, get over. And we make it all the way across the bridge, we get all the way back, and we turn the bikes in right at closing. Come on, is that not good? But on that day, here's what I realized. When we rented those bikes, we signed a contract, but my marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. Listen, I'm not going to get husband of the year. I lost that years ago. (laughs) I get that. I get that. But you know what I can say today without any hesitation? Man, I love my wife. Oh, I love my girls. I love when we get to make memories together. And as I say that out loud, I want to ask you a personal question today. How is your marriage right now today? Come on, you that are married in the room, how is your marriage today? Is it about unity? I'm not saying are you perfect. I'm not saying there hadn't been some mistakes along the way. I'm not saying there hadn't been some need for forgiveness along the way. I'm asking you today, what is your marriage like today? You know, I've often heard people say marriage is a 50-50 commitment. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not. That's wrong. That's bad advice. Marriage is a 100% commitment. And you got to be all in all the time. And that's not always easy. That takes work. And when I think about this this covenant, this covenant that God wants, I think about vows that we took for rich or for poor in sickness and in health till death do us part. Man, those are serious vows because we're making a covenant, a partnership covenant. Paul says it this way. Let me read another verse to you. In Ephesians, when he talks to this church about marriage, uh, chapter 5, verse 21 He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Isn't that powerful? But see, we don't like that word submit because that word has been misused. That word has been abused. And we think of submit as a bad word, but God's calling the husband to submit to the wife. He's calling the wife to submit to the husband, and he says, it's a partnership. And there's something here for you. But you're different And you're not going to play the same part. Husbands are going to play one role. Wives are going to play the other role. But it's going to fit together in the way it's supposed to be in this partnership. This word submit is how it works together. Can I just tell you today that I don't want to lose or abuse the trust that we have grown together over these last 25 years of marriage. These last 27 years of friendship. I don't want to abuse that, but i got to keep working that I don't lose that. Does that make sense? And when I think about what my wife brings to our family, why would I want to sacrifice her gifts, her experiences, and her passions to our family? I don't want to silence that. I need that in my family because that's what a partnership is all about. Come on, are you all listening to this today? And when I think about this theme of relationship, especially in regards to marriage, I realize quickly that my role is unique, that I'm to set the tone for our family. And there's times I'm gonna point us in the direction. And sometimes it's on bikes, right? But I'm gonna point us in the direction that I believe God is calling us to go as a family. Now, I know sometimes when I get out here and I share personal examples, I I wanna share with you the human side of me because sometimes I realize people can put a family like mine that is in public eye on display and almost assumes some wrong things about our family. And I like to always show you that that our experiences are probably not that different even though I play a unique role for our congregation to get real personal with you, sometimes you might go, you know, that's good for you, pastor. I'm glad your family's that, pastor. I'm glad y'all have that life, but your life is easier than our life. And, And all I would lovingly say to you is this, is that my schedule's probably not less challenged than your schedule. Your schedule that you struggle with, guess what? The Gastons struggle with that too. I want you to know this, the same enemy that you have that wants to derail you from God is the same enemy that I have that wants to derail me from God. Satan comes after me just like he comes after you. Come on, men in the room, husbands in the room. Can I just tell you this? That I'm just as susceptible to the same temptation that you have in your life? Guess what? He comes after me with that same same traps and those same tricks and that same temptation to make me morally fall away from my wife as you. And I want you to know that this is real and, and, and that we're in the same playing field with all of these things working at us. I know you see us now and say, well golly, y'all, y'all been married 25 years. Do you know that we've outmarried our families in a lot of ways? My, my family's divorced and has been divorced. I'm very honest about that. She grew up in a divorced family too. And with us, we know that our vows have to be a daily renewal if we're gonna keep working in our marriage together as husband and wife. Why, because it's a commitment to we over me. And that's not an easy commitment. It's not an easy commitment. You see, our families aren't absent of drama either. We've experienced some challenges in our life too. We've experienced some losses in our life too. In the 15 years we've lived in Virginia, we've watched every one of our, our grandparents pass away and we've had to go back for funerals. That's been hard knowing that we've been this far removed. Our own daughter struggles with health issues and we've gone through those days of struggle and, and treatment and trying to work through this, those times. And even this last, these last few months, you guys know about my family, me losing my sister, The way I did, it's actually led me into counseling. And the counseling started first with me and the trauma, and it's continued to me and Pam in our marriage because we realize we we want to keep working for what God wants to build in our commitment together. Because I want to show you that I'm human like you, but I also want to show you the difference Jesus Christ can make in your marriage when you say yes to him. And so as I share this with us today, I I don't have any problem saying here today that Pam and I, we have a blessed marriage. I love that. Not perfect, but blessed. And I'm not blessed because I'm the pastor. Blessed because we're working. We're working. That's what allows us to be blessed. And I'm just gonna say this to you today. If you're married in this room, your marriage, your marriage is dependent upon you and your spouse, you get to choose what kind of marriage you want to have. It is on you. You get to decide. And, and as I say that, some of you will push back immediately because maybe right now you're in, a, you're in a relationship where your spouse isn't all in. You're in a situation right now where maybe you're more committed than they are, and, and it's in that tension. But here's what I want you to know. You can't change that person But you can still be committed no matter what's happening in your situation. And that's what we're talking about today. How do I stay committed to we over me even maybe when it's not being shared? You see, it's always going to take work. Dying to yourself, pursuing the one over the other is always going to be a challenge to our human nature. But it's how we put we over me. Three weeks ago, Andrew preached a message on marriage, and he's referencing some helpful books that helped him to put this series together. One of those books is by Pastor Craig Amy Groschel. Craig is in Oklahoma, he's got a multi site church. Life Church is huge, and he and his wife wrote this book and gave five practical commitments that I just want to give to you today as application. I would encourage you if you want to get a book that can be very practical for your marriage, this could be a really helpful tool. In this book, Five commitments, the first one on the list is to seek God, I love that. Because if we're seeking God, it helps put everything into perspective the way we need to see it. Our relationship with God makes a difference in our marriage. But number two on that list is fight fair. I think this is interesting. And there might be some things you need to learn and grow because it's not easy to be in a a relationship with another person. It's not easy to to watch your words, to watch your responses, and to fight in a way that actually leads you through. Because the me, me, me part of me wants to win. And, And when you're fighting fair, it's not about winning. It's about being united. It's about being connected. This theme of have fun I think is important. Come on, life is so hard, we gotta learn to laugh at some things. How do you do that? Well, you gotta change the the, the environment sometimes. You gotta go on vacation and get on some bikes sometimes and then laugh about it, right? You, You gotta maybe even go for a walk in your neighborhood because there's things that you can do that can change it and just say, can we just laugh a little bit and have some fun together? Powerful. Stay pure. This is a huge one. This is a hard one for our generation. We live in a culture that forgets how to blush. And I'm telling you, single adults, married, married adults, we need to know how to guard our hearts and guard our lives in a way where we don't compromise what God wants for us. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that next week. And then the last one, I love it, it's simple, it's direct, and it may be like, duh, but never give up. That's what commitment is, it's never quitting, it's never giving up, even when you feel like it, right? So is that practical? Could that be helpful in a relationship that we want to be centered upon Christ and not ourselves? But here's what I know. I can already hear some of you talking back in your head at both campuses, back to me. I don't feel like it, Pastor. I don't feel like doing those things. I've been hurt already deeply. I don't wanna do those things. I don't feel like, can I just tell you this? You're not gonna always feel like loving. You're not gonna always feel like forgiving. You're not going to always feel like serving the other. You're not going to always feel like, you know why I know that? Because I don't always feel like that either. But we're talking about a commitment that's about a decision that's bigger than our feelings. Feelings. I'm telling you, no other area of our life would this work. How many of you here today, come on, are parenting a preschooler, let's just say a newborn within the first year, okay? All you sleepy people out there, I know, I I got you. Could you imagine waking up one day and go, I don't feel like feeding our kid or changing their diaper today? How long would that go for you, right? Did that kid let you know that's not going to work, right? Or let's just say you wake up tomorrow, it's Monday, go, I don't feel like going to work today. Well, do you feel like eating? Right? Or you say, I don't feel like paying taxes. I don't feel like paying taxes. Well, good. We'll come visit you in jail. Right? There's a lot of things we do that we don't feel like doing, but we do them because we're committed to doing them, Right? That's the point that I'm trying to make here is that your feelings won't always match up. Matter of fact, your marriage is not measured by your feelings, your marriage is measured by your commitment. And can I tell you this? Feelings always follow commitment. If you'll be committed to the right things, feelings will show up. They eventually will. And when we think about this idea of feelings, I think about oftentimes how I sit in my office and I meet with and counsel with people that are broken, especially marriages that are broken. And here's probably a snapshot, a soundbite that I hear a lot. See if this sounds familiar. That we have fallen out of love, or I have fallen out of love. Somebody will say it in my office. I have fallen out of love and we are no longer happy. I have fallen out of love and I am no longer happy. I don't know how many times I've heard that. As if that's the rationale of why we can now hit eject and get out of this marriage. And you know, I started thinking about that. This is how silly that is. If you're going to end a marriage based on not feeling in love anymore and not being happy. You know how silly that is? Or this is a PG-13 message. You know how stupid that is? That's like selling your car because you ran out of gas. Right? Come on, let's be real, this would be real simple here today. Your car runs out of gas, what are you going to do? You're going to go do what? You're going to go fill it up. If your marriage right now has run out of love, guess what you need to do? You need to go fill it up. You need to go fill it up by beginning to do the things that you said I do to do and, and begin to love that again and begin to pour into that again. And then you begin to see that, you're going to begin to see that commitment show back up again. And to me, when I think about this idea of committing this, you got to come back to the place of saying, is this going to be about me, or is this going to be about we? I'm going to invite our worship team to go ahead and come back out. I want to pray today. This is how I want to really focus our time. I want to pray for single adults in the room, and I want to pray for marriages today in the room, both at this campus and at our courthouse campus. And I just feel like this is so significant right now because... This is what God's design and desire is for us. And so if we can do that, let's just all bow our heads right now. Bow our heads and our hearts. And I'm going to start with our singles in this place and on this campus. Father God, I want to pray for young adults, older adults, men and women who find themselves single. God, can I just say how grateful I am that this church has single adults in our midst because, God, I believe they make our church better. There's a freedom that a single adult has that a married adult doesn't. There's a freedom with their time, a freedom with their resources, and the attention they can give to mission and ministry is really limitless in a single adult's life. It's powerful to think our church has Godly men and godly women who right now are single. God, would you help our single adults know that they don't need another person to be completed. But God, it's in a relationship with you that they come alive to who they were made to be. And God, that's not always easy because we have a culture that says a lot of other things. But God, help our single adults to be right with you today. Because God, if they're right with you, if one day you wanna lead them to a relationship, they'll be right for someone else. And so God, I pray that nothing gets in the way of faithful walking and living and obedience of our single adults. But God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would be a comforter in their life because there may be some times where they feel alone. There may be some times where they're lonely And I pray, God, it's in those moments that you, your love for them, God, would be the loudest thing that they experience. So God, I pray for our single adults to to be pure. God, this generation pushes us to play married long before we get married. And I just pray against that. There might be a single adult here today that's in a wrong relationship that's not good for them. And God, Sometimes the enemy will say it's better to be in a wrong relationship than to be alone. God, I pray for freedom today to hear from you. And if sin needs to be confessed, if sin needs to be turned away from, that today could be a day of renewal with you. God, I don't want anybody to miss your love that you have for them this morning. God, right now I want to shift my prayer back to our married adults. I believe there's some married adults here this morning, at courthouse this morning, that your marriage is broken. Your unity has been compromised. And right now, God, there's some division between a husband and a wife. Right now, in Jesus' name, I pray, God, for your comfort in that conviction, and I pray now, God, for a new path back to you so that God, men and women, can begin to forgive again, can begin to love again, and can begin to build trust again in that covenant called marriage. God, I don't know what is done, but I know this, what feels impossible on this side of the fracture is possible in you alone. And I pray God today that that our men and women would experience grace and mercy and forgiveness that is found in you and then they would begin to share that with their spouse in Jesus name. God you are for the covenant of marriage and I pray God as a church that we would be a church that builds men and women, builds husbands and wives so that marriages can be the greatest example of your grace story. Help us God marriage takes work we're opposite God things don't always match up we sometimes hurt one another God and sometimes we got to give forgiveness where forgiveness is needed I pray that for my marriage God and I pray that for all the marriages of Mount Ararat today speak to us Jesus in your name we pray amen amen hey before we sing can I talk to you about one more covenant Listen, a contract is built on mutual distrust. A covenant is built on mutual trust. The word covenant means to cut, means to bleed. Do you know that every time in the Bible where it talks about God having relationship with us through Jesus, that also is a covenant relationship? That Jesus died on a cross, he was cut for you and for me, he bled on that cross. Why? So that a covenant could be made with us and God. Is that not powerful? The very imagery that God gives us about a marriage is the same imagery that he gives us about what Jesus Christ has done for us. In the most straight way, can I ask you today, do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship, can I tell you why God brought you here today, on this very Sunday? And so that you could begin a relationship with Him today. Today, today. Can I just tell you on testimony, my relationship with Jesus helps me in every other relationship that I have in this earth. And I promise you today, if you say yes to Him, He'll do the same for you. Do you wanna begin with Him today? come on let's pray one more time before we sing bow your heads in your hearts one more time one more time come on today if you want to begin with jesus wherever you're seated today maybe even online would you pray these words right there where you are come on right now say god you are speaking straight to me i realize today i need jesus i'm a sinner and i need a savior God, you trust me, now help me to trust you so that I might trust others. Thank you, God, for saving me. Come on, with your head bowed, your eyes closed, real quick, both campuses, I'm going to count to three. If today you just prayed those words and you're beginning a relationship with Jesus today, I want to know who you are. I want to celebrate with you because today that relationship is going to change the rest of your life. Come on, who are you? When I count to three, put your hand high and keep it up till we get to you. Here we go. One, two, three. Right now, put your hand high. If today you just prayed and gave your life to Christ, keep your hand up. Once my prayer team gets to you, they're going to give you a box. In that box is some next step stuff. Once you get that box, you can put your hand down. Praise God. Father God, thank you for the covenant of relationship. Thank you for sending us Jesus. And now may we submit to Jesus... As we submit in our marriages and as we submit as single adults. And may you be honored in our lives. And Jesus, we pray it in your name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's stand and sing these words together. Come on. What a beautiful.